average American checks their phone 96 times per day. And the times that we even interact with our phones, whether it's just touching, checking it's there, is up in the thousands. I know, it sounds crazy. Our guest today is here to bring some mindfulness to our phone use. I'm happy to welcome Alex from Mindful With Media to the podcast today. Alex brought such a kindness and grace to the conversation, which always helps in discussing all things screen time, a topic that is not always butterflies and unicorns. I especially enjoyed that we had a live studio audience for the first time, her little ones, which made it so authentic and real. Listen in to the end for their cute goodbye. So let's hop in and listen in. Thank you, Alex, for joining us on the Screens and Kids podcast. It's a delight to have you here. If you could just introduce yourself, who you are, and I guess your journey to Mindful with Media. Absolutely. So my name is Alex Fails. I started a blog called Mindful with Media about a year ago. And it started because I used to believe that media and social media were inherently bad. I just, I felt like social media was distracting and I felt worse about myself after using it. I got a job where I was helping people use social media to share good things. Mm -hmm. And it helped me realize that while there are a lot of negative things about media, whether that's Mm -hmm. social media or inappropriate content in media, that with the right mindset and with the right safeguards, media can be an amazing tool, that it's this really good thing. And so that's why I've started Mindful with Media to help other people to use media for the good that it is and set up those safeguards so that it can be a a tool for good in their life instead of just being bothered by all the negatives that come from media. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice introduction. And I think that finding the good, because I think especially, and I love that you really help moms who are just in the trenches or trying to <laughs> navigate the fear, because it's, it's, it shouldn't be a place of fear. I think how just being able to, to meet technology where it is, is so helpful. I know you do have a degree in statistics. You're a numbers girl. And one post that I like that you did was you hid the like counts on your social media account. So I guess my question to you, Alex, how did you do this? And has there been an impact, especially as a content creator? And for me, I'm always about mental health. Like, does it make an impact? Does that hiding the like counts? If you can tell us a bit about that. Totally. That's so interesting you you ask that because before I was a content creator is when I started hiding the light counts and yeah. I was convinced that yeah. I didn't really notice the light counts that mm. I just looked past it and it wasn't a big deal to me. But my sister reached out and she was trying to figure out how to do it. And so I helped her figure out how to do it and I did it on my own. And I was shocked at what Mm. a difference it made that I was subconsciously judging people by (laughs) how many likes their content was getting and I was subconsciously judging myself for how many likes my content was getting and it's been awesome now as a content creator where data like you said I have a degree in statistics I know I know the importance of data and seeing what posts do well and what posts don't do well but by hiding the like counts, I'm way less concerned about, oh, do people, it's not this subconscious thing of like getting my value from social media. I know my value comes from 
other things, not from how many people like my posts. So like right now on your Mindful with Media, you cannot see the likes that people have. Exactly. So I don't see any likes on other people's posts. And then on my own posts, this, the annoying thing is you have to, on every, every time you post, you have to click those little three dots and say, hide like count. You have to do it individually on every, every post, but for other people's posts in your Instagram settings, uh, you can go through, you can go and turn off the like counts for other people's posts. And I have a post about that, that I can maybe send you the link to, to put in the show notes or something. I'm going to put it in the show notes because I am going right there after this um, conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> I find myself, I get sucked into that. I put, and then after like half an hour, I go check. Like, has anyone liked like the validation, external validation? It's so sad. So thank you. Exactly. And it is a battle every day. It doesn't just go away, but this is a simple, a simple tool that really helps with that. Yeah, so you have to really be intentional about really every post. So you have to go post and then say hide the counts. So speaking of intentionality, I think what are some steps, four steps, I guess you had on your Instagram that we can use for intentional media use on a day-to-day basis? How can we be more mindful and intentional with how we interact with social media or whatever technology? Yeah, when I find myself consuming too much or getting too distracted with Usually social media is my thing, but I know it can be um, TV shows or other things for other people. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll use this four-step process. So yes. first, I'll state my purpose. So mm. I'll say, like, and I'll, like, I can even say this out loud, like, yes. I'm going to open Instagram and like and yes. comment on my friend's posts. Or I'm going to open Pinterest and find a recipe for dinner tonight. Just I saying see. what I'm going to yeah. do. Mm. And then... Um, The second thing is choose how much time I'm going to spend. So I'll set up a timer on my phone. So let's say, okay, I'll have 15 minutes to go on Instagram. So I set up that timer. And then the when the timer goes off, the third step is really important. Before I even open Instagram, Mm -hmm. I have to decide what I'm going to do afterwards. Because if I don't decide what I'm going to do afterwards, then I'm like, oh, I'll just go a little bit longer. But if I already have a really clear plan of, okay, after I go on Instagram for 15 minutes, then I'm going to go outside. Just mm-hmm. something super simple. So I have a plan of what to do because it's so, it just sucks you in that social media. But if I have something, a plan of what I'm going to do afterwards, yeah. then that helps me. And then the fourth step is to be accountable to someone. So if I find myself getting really distracted or frequently um, struggling, then Usually my husband is my go-to person, but sometimes my sister or um, a friend, I I tell them these three things. So I tell them, okay, I'm going to go on Instagram and for 15 minutes, and then I'm going to do the dishes when I'm done. And just being accountable to someone helps helps me too, because I know somebody else knows my plan as well. Oh my gosh, that sounds such uh, like I'm writing things down. You're like really coaching me here, Alex. Um, oh, you're so sweet. I think 
I love the decide what to do afterwards because a lot of these things have this like infinite scroll. Like it's really, it feels like there's no end in sight. So that is so beautiful. And then you mentioned your husband, I guess, which can segue us into questions around family and tech use. How do you get on the same page with your spouse, especially if maybe one, you're a heavy tech user and your husband is not? How when you don't agree on media or tech use, is there like a way to come to the middle or like what do you do that's a great question and Mm -hmm. I don't have all of the answers as we're still on the journey figuring it out but I think the the biggest thing is to first start with yourself that Mm -hmm. it's easy for me to want to control my husband's tech use or control my kids tech use but it's a lot harder to control other people's tech use than your own tech use so I think Mm -hmm. first is just setting that example and setting your own boundaries and creating your own personal media plan. Mm -hmm. And then you can engage in those conversations with your spouse and with your kids about how it's helping you or how you would like to do it um, as a couple too, or as a family to create those, that media plan or those media boundaries. But I would say just start with yourself first and then um, have those conversations with spouse and kids later and and i think on your website you do have a personal media a media plan of sorts that people can go and download is that correct correct yeah so i know that there are lots of media plans out there for families which i think are very crucial and really helpful but i had a hard time finding any media plans for myself which is where Mm -hmm. i struggled the most was with my own personal media use and so yeah, I created a personal media plan and it just walks you through step by step to help you align your media use with your values and your goals in life. Mm, nice, nice. I will add it to your website as well in the show notes. Alex, my other thing, I've been finding myself picking up my phone a lot, like in a day. And I don't know, sometimes I wonder, is it my anxiety? Like, why am I keeping on doing this? <laughs> so... <laughs> What are some five simple ways to avoid constantly checking my phone? If you can just help me and many people out there. I feel really the last couple of days, I really wonder what is behind all this. So what are some things we can do to avoid this? Such a relatable thing. I think we all have experienced that when you pick up your phone without realizing it. And five simple steps are to realize, well, I think before we get into the steps is often the reason that we we don't pick up our phone is because mm-hmm. we are avoiding something else. And mm-hmm. so the yeah. first thing is to identify what are what are you feeling? What identify your discomfort? Are you bored? Are you stressed? Are you feeling anxious? Are you lonely? Are you overwhelmed? What what What's your actual feeling? Um, And then once you realize what you're feeling, then you can identify what you really need. Do you need um, a friend? Do you need a break? Do you need to get outside? What do you really need to meet that discomfort? And then a third step is sometimes, well, not sometimes, I think in this media-saturated society Mm -hmm. that we're used to just avoiding any feelings of discomfort because we can easily turn to social media Mm -hmm. um, and that we can avoid those feelings. But it's really important to practice sitting with uncomfortable feeling. Feel that stress or feel that sadness or, or feel, just let yourself feel that 
uncomfortable feeling. And then another step is to turn off unnecessary notifications. So I don't know about you, but I used to have my notifications on because I liked seeing when messages came for Instagram. I liked seeing when messages came in or people commented, but I decided to turn those off because every time I would get a notification, then I'd open the Instagram app and then I'd be on there for who knows how long. And so just turn off notifications that you don't need. And then plan time to spend on your phone. So it's not it's not bad to spend time on our phone, but if we plan it, it's yeah. much a much better experience. So you can say, okay, I can have scroll time after I eat lunch or for 10 minutes before bed or whenever works best for you, but just plan that time into your day. Yeah. Oh gosh, it sounds easier said than done. And I'm just like thinking... As humans, sometimes our mind is so weak. Our brain is just so like so weak. It's easy to really tap into those uh, those primitive areas of our brain that really want that validation. So, I mean, I think just doing the hard work is helpful. So, thank you for that. One thing I wanted to ask about family: you do have a a two month old little baby. What are you doing during breastfeeding? Because that's a time when yeah, we're on. Instagram or social media, how can I keep that time intentional when I have a newborn and I'm just breastfeeding and it's like 3 a.m. in the morning? I have a one and a half year old boy. And when he was first born, I spent, I have a one and a a half year old boy. And when he was first born, I spent hours just holding him while he slept or breastfeeding Mm -hmm. or just time sitting. And so I naturally just pulled out my phone and I just scrolled for hours and hours and hours. And it always left me feeling really just blah, if you know what I mean. And the second time around and towards as time went on with him and now this with my second baby, who's two months Mm -hmm. old, I've been much more intentional about how I use that time. There, I've realized that there are so many things you can do on your phone that it's amazing during this, Mm -hmm. this time that you can, weekly plan or you can read wholesome books or you can do your make a meal plan or Mm. the grocery order there's just so many more intentional ways to use that time um, while you're holding a baby and so in the middle of the night I always read a book that's my favorite thing to do Uh and then during the day is when I'll try to get more things done yeah (laughs) nice nice and I think you have it on your website so I think that's a good place they can people can go and look for different ideas that you have there yeah I have a blog post about things to do and then also some good books to read while you're breastfeeding or yeah. just bottle feeding, whatever works best for you. <laughs> for, sure, for sure. As we um, kind of move to the last one, I think screens are not bad. Technology and all of that. How can we like interact with, n- not to be afraid of the screen, what are some things I can do with my younger kids, like yours as well, with a screen, like to connect with them, that they're not thinking, oh my gosh, mommy's phone, daddy's phone, we don't touch it. It's fa-. like, what are things we could do with them? so that they're not afraid of technology and screen time to connect. Totally. That's one of my big things is, yeah, not just avoiding screens, but using them intentionally with your kids. Some things that you can do, one of some of our favorite things to do are look at pictures together. I have an album on my phone that's called Beckham's Favorites. And so they're all of his favorite pictures of his grandma and grandpa and his nana and papa. Um, so looking at pictures has been really fun. Video calling, we 
we FaceTime our grandparents all the time together. And as they get older, you can do more things like learn a new skill together. So there's websites like Skillshare that you can learn art or recipes or different things. So learn that together. And also as they get older, you can create posts together. So show them like how to use social media to create positive, uplifting content. You can do a workout video together. There are so many ways you can use screens with your kids to help them realize that it's a tool for good. As far as there's so much like science and research and, you know, with screen time, when I'm looking at a study or any parent or even if someone posts something about a screen time study, are some things we should consider in a study that just to make it valid or whatever? What's the best approach? This is my passion with a yes. degree in statistics yeah. and with during this age of information just mm. so easy easily accessible it's really confusing to discern what's true and what's not true and I think a lot of times people say oh research says this mm. um, but research is not doctrine that you have to be really careful on how the research was done or who who paid for the research that can impact the the results so some of the biggest things that I look for um, when I'm looking at research to discern if it's, I guess, like applicable to me mm-hmm. is, has this research been seen across several different studies? So if there's only one study that's showing something, it might be interesting, but I'm not going to wholeheartedly believe it yet. Another thing is um, how many participants were in the study. So if it was just like, yeah. I don't know, a handful of people, then it might be true for them, but it's not necessarily true for everyone. And so mm-hmm. if there are a lot more people in a study, then it's yeah. more likely to be true for more people. Um, another thing that's really hard about research is in order for it to be like for the results to be applicable to other people, the mm-hmm. participants need to be randomly selected. It's hard to do a study in a way that it applies to everyone. And so just be really careful about the when you're seeing things that are based on research. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are just a few tips that would help. So that random is just like random people. It's not like... Like they've just picked random participants. Like yeah, that's a good question. So when they're randomly selected, so mm-hmm. most studies, people volunteer to do the study, right? Mm-hmm. They You get an ad on Facebook and you sign up to the study or I see, I see. Um, that's usually how study participants are found. But that they're, the type of people that sign mm-hmm. up for a study might be different than other people in the world. And so that could impact the results of the study. So randomly selected means in an ideal world, let's say they were studying moms with kids under the age of five. Yeah. They would take all the moms in the whole world with kids under the age of five, and they would do a random number generator that would randomly select, um, let's say a hundred of them. And they would call those people and those hundred moms would come. But that's just not realistic to be able yeah, to yeah. take all the moms of the world. You know, you put an ad on Facebook and, oh, I have a child under the age of five. I'll sign up. But sure. the type of person that signs up for a study is going to be different from 
someone who doesn't use Facebook or something like that. If that makes sense. I see. I see. Oh, that's helpful to know. Oh my goodness, Alex, this has been so great. But before you leave, where can people find your information and your website and your account on Instagram? So my blog is called mindfulwithmedia.com and that's where you can find blog posts and other helpful tips for navigating this media saturated society. And then on Instagram, I'm my handle is mindfulwithmedia and I'm excited to connect with you all there. Yes, and I love your reels. They're so um educative and helpful. Thank you so much. I have four fun questions. Don't leave me yet. One okay. Is, what is one place that makes you in a joy? Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it with little ones. So thank you. Well, it was a pleasure to meet with you, Penny. I learned a lot from you as well. Oh, thank you. And I'll share it with you once it's out in the coming weeks. I'll let you know before it goes live. Great. Thank you so much, I'll Penny. I love it. This was such a short, practical conversation, which is what I feel so many of us need when there is so much information out there as far as navigating media and screen time. Alex understands the needs and is so clear about this in her content. So please head on over to her website. Everything is linked in the show notes below. You'll gain more resources to help you and your family in your media journey. So until next time, leave a review on Apple, share this episode, and as always, see you later.